So you want to marry my daughter? Yes, I do. So do you hang out in the hood all the time, or do you just come up here for our food and women? This January. Your family, my family. I don't know how this is going to work. I like your braids. Thank you. Exhibit had braids. Jonah Hill, Lauren London, David Duchovny, Nia Long, with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Eddie Murphy. What's up with white cuz? Am I white cuz? Well, I'm not. You People, directed by Kenya Barris. Rated R, now streaming only on Netflix. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's catch up. An NFL podcast with Taylor Bashotti And Sam Batesh. Where we talk about the biggest headlines in the NFL. So Taylor, you know what? Let's catch up. It's been too long. Yeah, we really should. Blue Wire. All right, well, uh, Taylor, let's catch up, although we look a little different this week. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know what happened, but we look so much better. Like, usually we're down here, and our odds just went through the roof, so. this. (laughs) Come on, Kyle Allen. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. Two pretty people right in between. I appreciate it. No, you saw our odds up a lot more. As you saw me running around before this podcast trying to find a good lighting spot, I'm now currently sitting on the floor. So, you know. It works. You make it work. We're winning in 2021. And for those that don't know, of course, this is Kyle Allen, who is the quarterback of the Washington football team, as he spent last season. And before that, of course, you remember him with his ridiculous four-game winning streak with the Carolina Panthers when Cam went down. And everyone thought that season was going to be forgotten. Kyle stepped in and did a hell of a job for Carolina last season, two seasons ago at this point. Um, Kyle, we're thrilled to have you. Uh, it looks like you just moved in, you just told us, right? You got a new spot, which is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Just moved out- in. Nice. You figured out the lighting situation, I can see as well. Yeah, no light. We went with no light over here. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> just turned it off. Nice and dark in here. It's good. It's yeah. good. Thank you. Thank you for taking our lead on setting up the, the quality shots here as well. <laughs> well, 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 Kyle, I, right out of the gate, I, I have to ask you one thing, and we're, we're going to go a lot of different places here. And, and But as far as what happened on Sunday, I, I just I, I thought of you immediately. We knew that we were going to talk to you, and, and we see the situation happen on Sunday in the NFC Championship game. Fourth down, game on the line, Aaron Rodgers – Chance to potentially tie the game, touchdown, two-point conversion. And really, I would say at that point, fairly difficult decision to make, but LaFleur goes with kicking the field goal, potentially getting the ball back if they can stop some guy named Tom Brady, and then they'd get a chance to win at that point. But, of course, they'd have to get it from Brady. Kyle, what did you think, A, of the decision? And then I've got to follow up after that based on this answer. But but what did yeah. you think? Yeah, I think – I think, well, you got to look at the situation in total, right? And it's, we talk about these situations a lot and you have to look at like, you can't just look at the situation. You have to look at how the whole game has gone as well. And so I see it from both sides. I see it from the floor side by, 
okay, you had, it was like 2-12 left, right? They had all three of their timeouts. They'd been in the red zone like all game long and they'd struggled, struggled in the red zone. You know, they were just bracketing Devontae. They were bracketing Tonyan, and they just struggled. None of their plays were working down there. They would be like, I remember the first series they were down there. They tried to get it to Devontae three times in a row. None of them worked. They ended up kicking the field goal, right? So from his perspective, I think he was thinking, all right, we're down here. Let's get three points. We have all three timeouts. We have the two-minute warnings. We might even have one coming out of it if we get a three and out. And then maybe we'll have a chance at the end of the game to score. But the only issue I have with that is it's exactly what happened. You might have a chance to get the ball back, right? And so I know Aaron's sitting there being the quarterback that he is and being the gunslinger. He wants to go for it on every fourth down. But you've worked hard. I don't know. remember where that drive started, but you worked hard to get all the way down there, right? You got a fourth and whatever, fourth and two. It was fourth and short. And you're down eight, right? A chance to score, get the two-point conversion. Or if you don't, right, it's fourth down. You've turned the ball over there anyways. And you're still down eight, but you're in the same situation, just down eight, right? They get the ball. You have all three timeouts. You have the two-minute warning. You could get get it back and have to go down there and score and get the two-point conversion again. So in my opinion, you know, I think you go for it here. And I mean, obviously hindsight's 20-20, but you go for it there and you're in a similar situation, but you just have to score and get the two point to tie it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that's, that, that goes back to the analytics side of everything. You know, how a lot of coaches are deep in the analytics now and I have my thoughts on that too, but. What are your know. thoughts on that? Now I'm curious. I just think analytics is, it's overthought. You know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things where you can look on the sheet and it can tell you what to do, but there's so much more that goes into it. Like I was talking about, just, you know, the sheet can say, hey, it's fourth and six, your chances of getting it here are blank and blank. But also, how have you been doing during the game, right? Like, who? what's your personnel? Who do you have out there? Who are you playing against, right? It's not, it's just a sheet that says the average of the entire NFL here gets at this amount, but not your your average versus this team or your O-line versus their D-line, you know? And so I think it's just... It's a very broad database, you know, and I just I think it's just overused. And a coach and a team knows their own team better and they know what they what they're successful at in certain situations. Something that immediately jumped to my mind during that play was I felt like it was deja vu, obviously a little bit of a different situation, but from the Browns game the previous week where they didn't go for it, they mm-hmm. never got a chance to get the ball back again. And so you're kind of stuck in that same situation. But throughout that entire game, you you just saw the two different playing to- totally different teams the Bucks just outplayed them in every form or fashion especially in that first half first yeah, half for sure. yeah the first half for sure I mean you could see it and I, I think it was tough for the Packers to go out in the in the first half with the turnover and then have them go score and then start the second half with the turnover and have them go score I mean you would get an eight, 18 point deficit and you haven't had the ball in like 10 minutes you know and I think the turnovers hurt them but then you know they had chances to get back in it I just think it came down to the Packers red zone offense versus Bucks red zone defense. I mean, they just, that was the deciding factor of the game and the turnovers, obviously, but the Packers had plenty of chances down in the red zone, you know, and they just didn't convert. And there was a stat. I think I saw the stat. It was the points off of turnovers. You know, the, the Bucks had two turnovers and they had 14 points off the turnovers. The Packers forced three turnovers off of Brady in the second half and they only had nine points off it. That was ridiculous. That was really yeah. the game. Don't you think? I mean, three turnovers off Brady and not to win that game. But I, I want to go back to fourth down real quick, Kyle, because it was just – it was eating at me. One thing was I actually liked the decision. And analytics aside – Tell me. Please tell me why. Okay, here's why. Here's why. First of all, 
with a minute 40 to go in that game, third and four, how close were the Packers to getting that stop? Yes, holding and pass interference, right? I mean, clearly you could see the jersey being pulled. Fine. But in regards to the math of it, and I'm not talking analytics. I'm just simply talking the math of timeouts, clock, get a stop, get the ball back, now needing only a touchdown to win, not needing a two-point conversion. The theory and the math worked out there to put themselves in the situation, to have third and four, get a stop, now have a chance for a Rodgers drive for the win. As opposed to one play, fourth down, the game is now over. Essentially, they set up field goal. You're depending on them getting that stop, though. How close? How and close? Also, I'll how counter close? you on this too, though, Sam. Also, this. So you're you're say they get the stop, right? They get the stop there. The Bucks end up punting. You get the ball at the twenty, the fifteen. You got to go all the way down there again, right? After him all day long, especially when you know you have to pass. The Bucks defense knows they have to pass, and their pass rush has got after him like no other team in the NFL did the whole entire year. And Twice. so I think like in two games, you're right. In two games, yeah. that that look, that defensive line clearly disrupted Aaron in two games, nearly the exact identical way. Mm-hmm. But you're saying they need to go down. But instead of they, it's – I mean, They made the actually, decision that you wanted, so you should be happy. I, I mean, in a way, I just – here's the thing. I just almost – I heard nobody defending the decision, and I well, just – Nobody's going to defend it when they lose the game. It's tough. It, look, it's always tough. Yeah. The, result, the result is always tougher. But sometimes making a decision is not only about the result. It's not only about the result because that was – it was a different way to go. And yes, they lost in the end. But again, think about it. You well, need a touchdown. Yes, I disagree with that, Sam, because conversion. the decision okay. at the end of the day has to lead to a win. Okay, but, but so, what like, about the decision? Okay. Lead to win. okay, but the decision to hold is not his. Yeah, I agree. Right? I mean, the decision by LaFleur is not necessarily a hold on that. And that pass was sailing over at that point. That, was, that did not look like it was going to be a conversion there. So, so of course. The devil's in the details is is all I want to say here. And it was just, it's so close to being the unorthodox and brilliant move. And, and, and it I'm, is, it is it though, Sam. Though. Like if I, it I really don't it, think it is, though, because it doesn't say that. Sorry, Taylor, go ahead. I'm saying to Sam, if it works, it's a brilliant move. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's just the way, that's just the way that coaching is. And that's the way that certain plays always are. But I have a question <laughs> for you, Kyle. Okay, let's hear it. Does as a fan, people kind of sometimes, not me personally, but get tired of seeing Brady in the Super Bowl again in the AFC Championship game, now the NFC Championship game again. What is it like for a quarterback to see it? It's a little tiring too. I got to admit it. I'm ready to see something a little different. I mean, you have to respect it. Obviously, it's the most incredible thing ever, and I think it's undisputed now that what what he's done. But at the same time, it's like you like selfishly, you're like, can we get someone else in there? Like maybe me next year? Who knows? Like, can we like someone else? Can you like maybe just retire and give us someone else like a chance, man? It's like where do you think you will be next year? Me? Yeah. I hope I'm in Washington. I mean, I would love to be there. You know, I've yeah. been with uh, Rivera my entire career. You know, I think that's the plan at this point. But same thing last year. You know, I was in Carolina. I signed a contract last year in Carolina in March, and then two weeks later, I got traded. So but were you excited? I mean, were you excited at that point to go to, to be with Ron again? Yeah. I mean, obviously, like I'd never been traded before. So I got the call and it was just super random. I was like, 
okay. And then I hung up. I was like, I just got traded. And like, you know, I had to think about it for a second. But once I sat down and thought about it and remembered like how much familiarity I had there, it was awesome. I was pumped. Are you ready as a player? Is that something in the back of your mind that maybe this could happen? Maybe I could get traded. Is that something that you go through? Your, I mean, your life as a professional athlete could truly be that. Unlike for so many of us, we we don't just get a call that says, you know, now you're coming here. I mean, you might get an offer to come, to, but it's not, you're just, you're going there now. Yeah. It, you're stuck in Connecticut. You can't come back. <laughs> no one's calling to take me so much. I'm here in the snow. Yeah, like, you wish. You know, calling, yeah. So. But you're getting that not call. All, not all risks here. Yeah. I mean, you get that call that changes your life. My question is, is it in the back of your mind? That could happen. I think it is now. I don't think it was at that point because I was naive and just nothing like that had happened to me before. But I mean, obviously, going into this off season, like I'm obviously not owed a lot of money. I don't have a big contract. I don't have a bunch of things that are that go my way in my contract, being in a rookie contract. And so, it's always in your head. But at the same time, like you can't control it. So it, there's just no reason to like think about it. You know, it's like you just train and and you get better and you know you hope what you put out on tape is good and i felt like what i put out on tape this year was really good and and then if you get traded i'm sure you're gonna get traded to a good spot or whatever you know you make it work but i mean obviously it's in your head but i just i always just try and control what i can control and like i do it to like the simplest fact like i know i can't control it so i just don't think about it that's pretty awesome now by the way obviously washington played the bucks in that playoff game you're seeing Brady. You're seeing what's going into that game. Did it dawn on you in that moment? And by the way, Heineke, I mean, what a, what a game that was. Played I his mean, ass off. Yeah. Played his ass off. Diving into the end zone. I mean, that was, right? I mean, there was a glimmer there, right? I mean, there mm -hmm. was a glimmer in that game where it felt like, wow, this Washington, this special sort of magical, weird Washington <laughs> season yeah. is going to go our way one more time. But did you think in that moment when Brady won that game, did you think, walking off the field there that maybe there was another run to the Super Bowl. I felt like seeing him in the other Jersey. I wasn't necessarily thinking Super Bowl all season for, for Brady. I wasn't, no, not all season. I think they had their struggles. And I think this is something I heard from Norv Turner, who I loved as a coach. And this is one of the, like the most important things he ever told me in that it doesn't really matter how you play in October or September. It really doesn't, you know, as long as you're like, getting better the whole year and you're peaking in November and December and you have enough wins to make the playoffs. If you're the best team that time of the year, no matter what your record is, it doesn't matter. And that's how I felt like the bucks were this year. I felt like they struggled in the middle of the season to figure out who they were. I think Brady and Arians were trying to figure out how they fit together, how their thought processes work together. And then it just, those last five games of the year, they looked unstoppable, just unstoppable. And they kept getting better and better. And they kept repeating and being consistent and I think just as the playoff came and we and we played them and we played them well, we played them really yeah, well. Defense. Very, very well. Yeah, I mean, football, that, that game was exciting all the yeah. way through. That Saturday night was great. Yeah. But I think as you see that, it's just they just peaked at the right time. You know, they figured it out at the right time. And I think, I mean, you look at the guys on their team, it was like a matter of time before it happened. You know, you just hoped it didn't happen this year, maybe next year. But I just think that. Who who did they end up playing before the Packers? What was that game? Lawrence, the Saints. Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, that and again, again, they lost twice to the Saints. Mm -hmm. Certainly felt going into it. Okay, this was this was the team that had their number. You know, I mean, Brady wins divisions, right? This is not this mm -hmm. is a path for Tom. And yet, the Saints were in his way twice. 
that game, that's where I, that's where it became. How about that Monday night game, or was it Sunday night or Monday night when the Saints just completely blew out the Bucks? Sunday night. That was the worst game I think I've seen all season. It's it was his worst. Loss ever. It, was, it was Tom's worst loss of all time. Yeah, there's there's an interesting stat with Arians too. There's I don't know if it was with Tom this year, but um, when Arians gets a new QB, that first that QB's first year in the system, he always has the most interceptions of his career. So that was with Jameis. That was with Carson in Arizona. I need to go for you, go to you for like my fun facts. And I got a lot of random facts. I got I got a lot of random facts. So when you look at that, I think his offense is just tailored around like. Because I've talked, I work out with Jordan Palmer here. I've talked to Jordan and Carson a lot about that offense. And the offense is really like he puts up like 20, 25 shots a game, you know, where most teams have like five to 10. And his offense is we're going to protect, we're going to try and protect, and we're going to push the ball down the field. And there's not going to be that many checkdowns, right? And Brady's used to thinking and dunking down the field and taking the shots when he needs to, just kind of dissecting, you know, 40 to 50 attempts a game, but only like 300 yards, you know. And so, I think it was them figuring out and mostly Tom too, a different way to play and a different like philosophy of pushing the ball down the field consistently. And it's just a whole, it's a whole different mindset. One more time. Do you think it's because Arians is wanting them to try different things or try things that are kind of out of their comfort zone, or is it just kind of getting a feel for what they can and can't do? I think it's it's just the system. I think it's just his belief. You know, he's always ran that. He ran it with Carson. You know, look at the guys he had too. He had Carson, who was a big arm guy, pushed the ball down the field, one of the strongest arms ever. Jameis, who's known for pushing the ball down the field, you know. And now Tom, I think it was an interesting. And by the way, also Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And forget about those people when he was coordinator. Yeah. And you get Brady, who's a guy who's, if you just think about all those names in the same group, it's just a little bit different, right? You know, he just different style of play. And so I think the struggles throughout the year were just them trying to figure out, okay, we have all these weapons, right? We have the greatest quarterback ever, and it's just not working out what's going wrong, right? And I think it was just kind of the marriage of Tom and, and Bruce to figure out how they were going to work together and what it was going to do. And now it's it's firing on all cylinders now. All right. Well, I, I want to say – prediction. Who do you have winning? I think the Chiefs are going to win. I don't think Tampa's got them. I think Chiefs has got to win. I watched that game against the Bills, and I'm great friends with Josh, and he had an incredible season, and their team was great. But the Chiefs, are just they were just on another level. Their defense had them locked down the whole year. No one locked down the, uh, the Bills receivers like that all year. And it looked like a track meet on offense, you know, and it was just it was just a whole other level. It's shocking because it doesn't matter who goes down on Kansas City's offense because they just have so many weapons. It's like they can just spread Everybody. the ball out to literally everyone. I think on that first drive, he threw it to eight different eight different receivers. Yeah, so, it's just how, it's just you got to decide how you want to match up, right? You, if you want to play zone, they're just going to dink and dunk in the RPO game. If you're going to try and man up, who are you going to put on on Kelsey? You're going to put a linebacker on Kelsey. If you go nickel, right, you're not going to put a linebacker on him. Yeah, and you always got to have safety help for Tyreek. So it's I don't even – I don't know how I would defend it. I have no clue. You know, it's interesting, though. This is a stat. You, you talk about great stats, Kyle. This is the one that I texted Taylor two days ago. And just when you talk about being tired of, of Tom Brady, this is great. He's played 19 full seasons as a starting quarterback in mm -hmm. the – 19 because the one season that he didn't start because he was hurt. Right. He's been to the Super Bowl in 10 of those seasons. Ten seasons in the Super Bowl, nine seasons out of it 
How is that even possible? And I again, watching that game Saturday night against when I'm watching Washington versus Tampa in the, in the playoffs at this point, which seems so long ago, it wasn't oh, that long ago, right? But it, but it was only three weeks ago, and it just wasn't at that point reality. And now that they're both here, so we say that stat about Brady, that it's, it's the, the the 19 seasons, 10 in the Super Bowl, would we get tired of him? How about this, Kyle? What about Patrick? Two for three. <laughs> I mean, three seasons and two in the Super Bowl, we might become tired of him one day. I mean, it really well, – We're going to. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, are you already what what do guys think what do the guys think of Patrick in the league? I mean, even amongst the quarterbacks, and because there's that part that is just it's certainly inspiring. And of course, for us, mm-hmm. for Taylor and I, it's just awesome. But in a competitive league, what is it to, like to watch Patrick win and succeed at that level week in and week out? Yeah, I think it's different with Pat at this point because First of all, Pat's just like an all-around great dude. You know, there's nothing to not like about Pat. He's like the nicest kid ever, you know, and he would never like hurt anybody. He's just like like the perfect person, right? You know, just a great dude. Outside of and, Taylor, of course. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Taylor. I didn't mean that. But but Pat is just he he plays a game and just he's changing the way you play quarterback, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's interesting because Tom obviously he didn't really change the way you play quarterback. He just played the way you play quarterback at the highest level ever. Right. And people always like a lot of people can sit in the pocket and do that, but like to be able to dissect like that, like consistently, it's just, it's crazy. But the way Pat's playing the game is just, they just changing it completely and offenses are changing and, you know, everyone steals stuff from the chiefs every week. We steal stuff from the chiefs. We steal different plays. And sometimes you look at those plays and you're like, coach, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> like do you think I think, only, I think only Pat can do that. You know, we're gonna be one more time running the ball as much as he is. Is that sustainable to have as long of a career and as like successful as Brady has when Brady doesn't have to run and kind of escape the pocket and be on the loose the way that Mahomes is? For Mahomes, yeah. I mean, I think it's sustainable in the way he plays it because it's not running to run, it's creating to throw, you know. And it's when you take those hits, it's different, right? So when you're running it's the way I describe it is you're going, you're going here, the defense is coming here and you're going here and you're meeting. Right. And it's like full force on full force. Right. And when you're like Tom and you're sitting in the pocket, right. You're just sitting in there throwing and all of a sudden it's just here in full force. So you're not getting like that much full force. And it's, so it's similar with Pat, he's creating in the pocket and he's running around, but he's doing it to throw the ball. Right. And when he's getting out on the edge and running, he's getting out safely. And I think an underrated part about the longevity of this position is, is how you take hits, like deciding where to take hits. And I did a bad job at this year. I let Jalen Ramsey put the top of his helmet in my ribs. So I've learned from that one big time. But, you know, I think the way he plays, um, if you just wa- if you really just watched and sat down and looked at the tape, he just doesn't take that many hits. What's the worst hit, Kyle, that you ever took in your, in your entire football career? So, I mean, if you want to go back to high school, I mean, what's the hit that just took it out of you? And you thought it has to have been a practice hit with Chase Young. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. No, I'm I'm Walker buddies with Chase, so I I'm on his good side. Thank God. <laughs> I would say oh, I took one from Donald this year. We uh, yeah. we were running like a like a heavy play action, and uh, I felt I think it was Leonard Floyd came off the left side pr- pretty free, and so I started to move to the right, and then Aaron Donald came through 
free. And so I was like, screw it. I'm throwing this away. I throw it away. But as I'm throwing it away, Floyd gets my legs. So I start to fall down like this. And then I just get Aaron Donald's shoulder just right under the jaw. <laughs> and so I'm falling down, throwing it in the face. <laughs> and that was like, so that was the first game I started too this year. And so I'm like 15 plays into the game maybe. And I'm just like, the whole line's looking at me like, you're going to be good. And I get up. Like, Do you like, like see stars when that happens? I'm like, let's go. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Well, I'm just like, I hope my back's going to hold up the rest of the game. <laughs> That's probably me the most. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. What's what? I mean, what is playing against Aaron Donald overall? I mean, it's it's one thing people people say it's so obvious that that's. I mean, obviously Chase is now making a claim for that you know best defensive player in the league. But when you're playing against the guy, let's talk Donald here just specifically. What is it that he's doing throughout a game? Because for some fans, it's not that sophisticated. We understand we're watching on offense when things mm -hmm. are firing at all cylinders. But on defense, to really understand how a defense is disrupting a quarterback in an offense, what is it that Donald's doing throughout a game that really just wreaks havoc on the I offense? I just think it's tough for Aaron Donald. You know, from a quarterback perspective, you like you can't think about the D line, right? Because I mean, you can understand what fronts they're running and what blitzes they bring out of different fronts and stuff like that, right? But you look at it as a whole. You don't look at it as a certain player, right? And I think his matchup ability versus guards. You know, I think a lot of teams in the league, when they have a lineman who's not as good or they don't feel as comfortable about, they try and hide him at guard. You know, and a lot of players who weren't great tackles turn guard and they're all pro guards for the rest of their career, you know? And it's just, it's sometimes it's just a little bit easier to play the guard position because you got help on both sides of you. But what happens is you got a player like Aaron Donald, who's so special. Your D coordinator starts to scheme up different fronts. He schemes up different things to get you to slide your protection away from him and get one-on-ones with the guards all game long. And so they'll do a lot of that stuff. They'll do a lot of stunts up front. And underrated part of his game, too, is he's so good in the run game. You know, he just doesn't really take plays off. So he'll have a couple of TFLs a game where it'll just ruin a series. And people just don't realize it's just like the complete package. You know, there's a lot of guys in the league who are just strictly pass rushers. There's some guys in the league who are stout in the run game who play in the middle. But there's not a lot who can do both. Kyle, we were talking beforehand, Taylor and I, we were, we were just, you know, going through just some of your career and, and marveling at some of what you've done. And, and I was just, I, I, to me, I just go back to, to the Carolina last season. You know, Cam is just one of these guys that at the quarterback position, he's one of these iconic, recognizable dudes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when he goes down in a season, it just feels fans naturally when the quarterback goes down. I mean, look, I, I mean, look, I got, I got an Eagles hat over here. I mean, look, I'm an Eagles fan. My, so, my yeah. He's addicted to Dak Prescott. Usually, it's the only thing that we talk about every single <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> I are in my head. That we're talking to, talking about back to Dak Prescott. But for this, I'm, I'm going to stick to the Eagles on this one. Obviously, Wentz goes down in that game against the Rams in 2017. Mm -hmm. Fans' mentality is all right. 
the season changes now. This is no longer, you know, whatever the goals were now completely change. Obviously, we see what Foles did. Cam Newton goes down on a team for the Panthers that, that's so synonymous with Cam there. And, and, and you come in. What was it like? I mean, you come into those games, and, and it wasn't just that you came in and you kept the team afloat. That team, there was a stretch there where Carolina was a – you were leading a dominant NFL team for a month. surrounding whether or not, you know, Cam would be quarterback when he came back. Right. I mean, what, what was – just what's that like? What is it like to be clicking like that for a month? Mm-hmm. against the top paid professional athletes in the NFL to just, I mean, you were dominant. You were dominant for a month in the league in a situation where people did not think, all right, Kyle Allen's get look in the locker room, maybe, but across the board, it's not like people said, all right, Kyle Allen's got this. You proved that, but what's that like? You know, I think it was a, a really interesting situation because if you, if you look at the year before too, so the year before we go six and two, I wasn't even on the team half the year. I got cut at the beginning of the year and they brought me back. I think game seven, something like that, week seven. And we go on a, like a seven-game losing streak to end the season. Like we went lose seven in a row. Cam gets hurt. And then I start the last game against the Saints, and we win like a BS game, right? But we get a win. And so we go like 0-7 to finish that year. And then we start the next year 0-2. And, and so it's kind of just like, like who are we as a team? Like what are we doing? Like it's we just felt kind of lost. And so I think – even that was interesting to go into that situation. And it was kind of like a, like a no expectations things for me. Like, all right, like we're struggling. Like we haven't really figured it out in like the last, whatever, like eight to 10 months, like who, what's our identity. And so for me, it was just like, it was another opportunity for personally, I needed to take advantage to like progress where I'm at in the league. But also it was like, let's like figure out who we are. Like, let's go out there and just let it loose because we've lost like nine out of the last 10. What's like, what's they else to lose, you know? And so I think, you know, we caught a little bit of a spark in Arizona, my first game playing. And I think it just, I think we just needed like some spark. We needed some confidence. We needed some feeling in the building that like it's possible. And, you know, you hear the same things. I'm not obviously not comparing myself to this, but you hear the same things in Tampa that Tom's there, you know, it's just, there's a belief in the building that you you're in every game. You you have the chance to win every game and you should win every game. Right. It's more of a mindset than anything. I think, those couple games we had that mindset and we just kind of started to click. And then, you know, obviously it didn't go great the rest of the season, but I think it was more of a culture thing than anything. It was like everyone's mindset kind of lifted and we were playing with more confidence. Everyone was making plays. People were making up from each other when you had mistakes, you know, and I think that's just how you got to play to be a great team. As the Redskins kind of start, just called them the Redskins. Speaking of the Redskins, yep. not the, the Redskins. Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> so what, actually, let's ask this question. Washington football team, when you found out you were being traded, what was the best name you heard all year? Oh, well, I like the – what was the one with the, the Army one with the airplanes? I forgot what that one. Oh, well, um – I don't know. Red that. Hawks, maybe? I don't know. So, yeah, Red Hawks was actually, I mean, a lot of people thought for a while it was going to be Red Hawks. That was I like that one. one. I had a little story behind it, too, you know? Red Wolves, I don't really know. I was the Wolves in high school. Wasn't a big fan, you know? Shout out to Desert Mountain High School, but I, I would <laughs> leave the Wolves in the past for now. I don't know, man. It's weird. I, th- I mean, I, we caught a lot of shit for being called the football team at the beginning of the year, but I think... Do you think they'll have a name this year? What'd you say? Do you think they'll have a name this year? I don't know. I mean, I've heard rumors that we might stick with it. I don't know. But all I know is, is there will be one division winner in history called the football team. And you can't take that away. 
Do not take that away from us. Do not. Were guys giving you, were guys giving you hell on the field? For, I mean, for being football team, were they poking fun at that? I didn't hear any of it. I don't think they cared, to be honest with you. I think it was more fans, you know. That's it. And 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 so and and you liked it. I mean, was there some pride behind that? You know, like look, this this became this outcry. You know, and 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 this is us sort of making a point. This is who we're going to be. Did you create an identity around that? Yeah, I think it was good for just just the whole like social aspect of everything and what had gone on in the organization before. And I think, you know, there was a lot of like incriminating articles being written about the team and people were like, you know, they had agendas and they were pushing stuff out during, you know, different spots in the season where you're like, you, you know, it was just a little fishy. Right. And so I think the whole like thought process behind it and everything was like, listen, like that stuff is all in the past. So like we can talk about it another time, but right now, like, Let's reestablish ourselves and create a new identity. Exactly. It's it's a new team, right? None of those other previous people who are there, you know, like all they fired the president, they fired all those people, right? Rivera comes in, who's one of the probably the most high character guy I know, right? And and brings in all these high character people. And it's like, listen, we are a football team, right? All that stuff's in the past. And like, let's focus on football. Let's focus on now. Let's focus on bring being better, you know being a better organization and doing better things, let's not focus on what happened in the past because none of us were here for it. We're here to fix it, you know? In That's terms of quarterbacks awesome. that you practice with, that you've been on the same team with, who would you say is probably the, the best person that you've worked with that's kind of taken you under their wing and you go to for advice? I mean, I think Alex is, it's not even close, you know? I think, you know, Cam, obviously I had a great time with Cam. I think Cam was one of a kind personality and, and he is like one of my favorite dudes I've ever played with. I've had, I mean, that's probably the most fun I've ever had in my career when I was in that quarterback room with Cam, you know, hell of a dude. But as it's from like a football perspective, just straight up, like me and Alex would just, we just nerd out over football. You know, we would just all day long, like he would always love coming in earlier, staying in late with me and watching film. You know, I practiced, me and him would always be standing back there, just talking through plays, different looks and everything. And, and I think like he just loves football, you know, like he literally had no leg and wanted to still be out there just because he loves football that much. And it's not even about like proving something wrong or anything. It's literally just like he wants to play. Like it's who he is. What was more interesting you to complain about your injury right now too? Yeah, I didn't, there's no complaining around him. <laughs> My leg looks like is like this big right now because I wore a cast and it atrophied and his is like that big. And so oh. I'm like, did you throw me some leg muscle, bro? Like, <laughs> Kyle, what was more inspirational this season? I mean, you've got you've got a head coach that's battling cancer. You've got Alex, who – what an unbelievable ordeal involving his leg to the point where – I mean, the injury itself was gruesome. But the fact that his leg nearly has to be amputated for, for this team, which found motivation in so many different interesting ways this season, between Rivera – and Alex Smith, which one was more of an inspiration? I mean, it's, it's tough to compare to those. <laughs> I think it's for me, I was more attached to the Rivera situation because I'd been with him for a couple years, you know, and I've just, he meant so much to my career. You know, he picked me as an undrafted free agent, like brought me back as on the practice squad, like decided to start me and put me in there instead of, you know, signing a veteran free agent. You know, there's a lot of different ways it could have gone. And, and he rode with me through all like a lot of that crap of that season two years ago. You know, he like there was a lot of ups and downs of that season and he ended up getting fired, but he stuck with me through the whole thing. And so I think just personally, I was a little more attached to that situation, but also just 
I wasn't around Alex during like the hard moments, you know, I wasn't around him for his first year and a half or two years of it. So I didn't really get most of like the hard stuff. I was around him when he was walking around and really trying to get back into football. But obviously I watched the E60 when it came out and I'm mean, like, I cried during the E60. I was like, this is unbelievable. I didn't want to tell him that. I was like, no, I watched it. It was great, dude. Didn't, definitely didn't cry. <laughs> What's it like, by the way? So you, you can see how the team responds to the different guys. How did the team respond to Alex in that locker room? I mean, we, we know what, what it would be like, you know, for us with that inspirational story, but, but, you know, you're talking about a, a, a gathering of dudes. And like you just said, you're not one that wants to go tell him, Hey, I was crying. So what is the reaction in the locker room for, for, for a guy like that? I think it, I think the locker room is just all about respect. And I think there's no one who like deserves more respect than him, you know? And so anything he said, anything like, he thought was right or whatever. And he wasn't one to speak out all the time, you know, but when he did speak out, his words held weight. And so, I mean, when he went in there and he was playing the way he was, I think it's kind of a testament to just the respect he had in the locker room more than anything. Right. Cause he played really well, but also like you could see the team played well with him. You know, he is, there's something to be said for a guy who can go in there and raise the level of everyone else around them. And I think you saw that with him. And I think more than anything, it's just a respect thing. I feel like you guys had so many different storylines and some of it was drama. Some of it was positive and uplifting stories mm -hmm. this season. One of them that was a little bit people were speculating a bunch on is the timing of when Dwayne was released. You know, mm -hmm. they had to play the week before and then rather than cutting them then or releasing them then they waited and then released them the following week. What was kind of the consensus in the locker room and the mindset around that? Yeah, I think just the whole situation was interesting. You know, I think um, I think it was tough for us to see, like, grinding through the season and see Alex go out there and, you know, just put it all on the line when, when he has a family back home. And, you know, no one knows what could happen to his leg. He goes out there. And also, like, you know, just COVID in general. I think it was tough for a lot of us in the locker room to – to see him go out and, and, you know, go to the club and do that and just kind of come back when it's, you know, it's just like, it's a team thing, you know, and like I said, it's about respect in the locker room and when no one else is doing that, we're all on the same page and we're trying to work for something. And when our coach has cancer and is, is coming off of chemotherapy to maybe bring something like that back into the building, you know, it's just, I think there's a lot of factors that go into play that just don't get think about sometimes like, and so you know, for me, I was, I wasn't around it as much because I was rehabbing. And so I wasn't in the building as much. I was back home more and, and I wasn't on the field for like those last eight games. I was only in the box for the playoff game. So, you know, I think that just that moment and at that time, I think it was just coach felt that it was just best to, to part ways for, for everyone, you know, for him, yeah. for us, just for the direction of the team. I think that's just how he felt about it. Kyle, when the season started, was there a sense that Dwayne would be the guy? You know, I mean, obviously when a guy is drafted where he is, certainly to the public, it seems, okay, obviously this guy's going to get on the field eventually. You know, because at the very least, the team has to just see what they have in that. Did it feel like, all right, this is going to be Dwayne's opportunity? I mean, obviously you're there to beat him out for it, but did it feel like, all right, this is going to be Dwayne's to at least start this thing out this season? Yeah, I think once that once they announced there was going to be no preseason, I think there was there was somewhat of a feeling that it's 
it was like, let's get Dwayne ready to play this year, you know, and which I completely understand, right? We have no reps in the OTAs. We don't have barely, we have barely any training camp. Training camp was like cut in half this year because we had to get reconditioned to start playing. And so I think it was, it was like, all right, he's our first round pick last year. This is a kid we're trying to develop. We put a lot into him, you know, like, let's go see what he has. And so I think the feeling was going into the year that um, he was going to be the one playing. And what, what was it? Does he seem like the kind of guy who now in Pittsburgh will get back to that place again? Did, did he strike you as a guy who's going to do everything? You know what it takes to get on that field. You know what it takes to keep a team confident and believing in you week to week. Does what do, does Dwayne strike you as the kind of guy that's going like to back there? Take the team when I think, I think with Dwayne, I think it's, it's just it's about hitting the certain point where you got to decide like what are you going to do right and there was a point in my career where I was at Houston and I got benched after three games and I sat on the bench for nine games right it's just a extremely like humbling moment you know coming from one of the top recruits in the country to sitting on the bench at a non-power five school you know and obviously Dwayne's is in the bigger light because he was a first round pick and he gets cut after two years but I think it's, this is a big moment for him in general. I think it's just, it's a humbling moment and it's kind of like a life deciding moment. You're like, all right, there's obviously things I need to change in my life to, to go where I want to go. Like it's either you're going to change them now or you might not be around, you know? And it's, it's more of like a, it's a business decision for him at this point, right? Because there's plenty of guys, and I know this more than anybody, there's plenty of guys in this league, especially kids coming from college who are just chomping at the bit to take your spot. Right. And so there's plenty of able quarterbacks around who can, who can come in and perform. It's just about taking advantage of your opportunities, you know, and you're only going to get so many opportunities. So I think he, I think he has an opportunity to do it. You know, I think he can do it. It's just like, it's a personal decision. You know, you got to make the decision. you got to put in the work. Depends on how much you want it. Scott Van Pelt kind of said it perfectly afterwards. He was like, you know, there's two ways you can go. He was given the opportunity and he kind of chose the wrong route. Depends on how badly he really wants to succeed, and if he wants yeah, it, he'll get he'll get more opportunities. I think you know. I think he's he's extremely talented, you know, and I think he's a first round pick. And I think there's a lot of teams out there who want to see what he has left and see if he can if they can be the people to you know change some behaviors and change some things to get him ready to play. Adam Schefter said the other day. I think he said, "Don't quote me on the percentage, but like sixty to seventy percent, he thinks that this." offseason that for this upcoming season there's going to be a quarterback shuffling musical chairs carousel if you don't end up in washington i know you said that was your number one choice is there anywhere else that you have your eye on no i mean i think i think i fall interestingly into the quarterback shuffling because i think there's a lot of big name starters who have been around for a while who would potentially have the ability to shuffle you know i think you know carson wentz obviously won stafford comes out you know, Deshaun, Aaron had some interesting comments after the game in Green Bay. And I think like, if you look at the list, I think there was like my agents, I mean, let's say that there's probably like 10 or 11 people, like even Dak, you know, your boy Dak, sorry, Sam. Hate to say it. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy, exactly. And so, you know, I don't, I don't really know, you know, I would obviously, like I said, I would love to be in Washington with Rivera and that staff. Um, but I think it's like, I kind of, I feel like, you know, I obviously feel like I can compete with all those guys, but I feel like at my point in this career, at this point in my career, I kind of fall in after those guys, you know? And so it's just, 
it's an interesting situation. I think this is going to be one of the craziest off seasons for just quarterbacks on rosters. Never shied away from like the competition or beating someone out because I remember mm-hmm. in college it was Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. It was. It was do, Kyler. You ever, do you ever practice with them anymore or play with them at all? Uh, no, me and Kyler. I the first time I saw him since uh, A and M was when we played him in Arizona. Oh wow! Yeah, Kyle, what's it like? You know, you're you're a five star athlete coming out of high school. Everyone in, in the everyone in the in your world at that point thinks you are the best at what you do. Then you go to another level in college, and all of a sudden, and still you're competing and beating out guys like Kyler Murray. That jump to the NFL, just how different is that? Because again, five star means something. When you're a high school athlete, to be a five star athlete, that is everything you want to hear. That means you are on a path to the league. And of course, tons of guys don't make it in that five star category, but but you did and in an extremely competitive position. But what is that? I mean, just try to explain to people the difference there between playing in college. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, Alabama could go out there and eat with the Wyatt. I mean, people like to say that all the time. I mean, just how different is it? You were dominant in high school. You were damn near dominant in college as well. And and then you get to this league and it's so leveling. But I mean, just explain what that's like. I think it's just, it's just a different game at every level, right? From, from high school to college, it's just, it's a different game. You know, it's not, it's, it's football, but it's, you know, there's different scheme. People play it differently. It's more about the comfortability of like what the game really is. And I think for me, and I think for a lot of young quarterbacks, it's, it's understanding situational football. And I think from my, my biggest jump from last year to this year was understanding situational football and what to do in different search, different situations. Right. You know, we had a lot of games two years ago where we were down by 14 quick and a couple games we came back and kept it close. A lot of games I pressed and we didn't get it close, you know, and it's more about understanding the situational football and how close all these games are. You know, I talked to Alex about this a bunch. Alex was was really helpful on me this year. It's just at the end of the game, if you just execute and do what you're supposed to do on every play, no matter what the other team's doing, usually like probably 80, 90% of the time at the end of the game, you're going to have a chance to win it. You know, I remember he told us that he, we were talking in OTAs about that. We were doing virtual meetings. He said something about that. And I just like, it just was ingrained in my brain because I felt like two years ago when we were playing, we would get down early and I felt like I had put the team on my back. You know, I had to go out there and match whatever, you know, Drew Reese was doing or, you know, whoever, Matt Ryan in the, in the division, you know? And so I think it's just the quicker you can understand situational football and, and understand what you have to do and like what it takes to win. And every year is different too with what team you have, right? You, you win in different ways this year in Washington, you know, we had a fantastic defense offense was good, not great. You know, we were, we were figuring it out. And so how do you win with a great defense, right? Don't turn the ball over, run the ball. Well, you know, convert on third down. It's just these different situational things that you don't really think about in high school and college. Well, Kyle, look, we got a few more minutes here with you. Taylor and I were, were toying with this. Rapid before. fire questions. We want to do a couple, a couple of rapid fire. We'll give you look. We'll give you a choice. We won't leave it open ended because okay. and you, you don't seem like the kind of guy that's going to say um. But but instead of um, we're just going to give options. You can let us know exactly what it is, but also tell us a little bit of the why. And I'm sure we'll have a pithy comment after that as well. We'll start with an easy one that, that Taylor basically teed you up for already. But Mahomes or Brady. In what context? 
I, I, I'm just giving it to you, Mahomes or Brady. You can explain it however you want, but I'm giving Mahomes already in the Super Bowl, Mahomes. Okay. Now, what if I said just for a lifetime, who would you rather be? How about that? Who would I rather be? How about that? Oh. Mahomes or Brady? Because look, Mahomes has a lot, a lot to look forward to. But I right. look forward to. But Brady, you also know basically what you're getting for this whole life. I'm gonna go Brady just because it's more certain. I already know half of his life. You're drafting a fantasy football team tomorrow who are you taking christian mccaffrey or dalvin cook christian mccaffrey don't ask me that question <laughs> I got a good over guy. everyone over everyone that's my guy i can't i can't go off of him okay. okay how about this mccaffrey or antonio gibson mccaffrey i love antonio he's getting there but he what do you think about what, what coach said you know he kind of compared him he said you know antonio could could really be yeah you know, that guy right yeah he's got similar game i'm not saying he's christian yet but he's got similar game a Game of Thrones or Sopranos? Game of Thrones. Really? Big, yeah. I watched it OC twice. OC or One Tree Hill? <laughs> oh, I mean, OC. I live in OC, so. You absolutely have to go with that. All right. Football team or anything else? <laughs> I hope we get a name at some point, but I'm good with football team for now. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. LeBron or MJ? MJ. Why? Oh, God, Sam. I'm going to just say because my girlfriend's family is all from Chicago. I'll just say that. That's a great don't, answer. I want to say I'm a LeBron hater, but like. All right. Well, Kyle, look, it has been an absolute pleasure hanging out with you today. Uh, really, we, we would absolutely love to do it again. This was right. a pleasure. Yeah, you were awesome. Appreciate you. You really were. And we really wish you the best. I mean, and it's like pulling teeth to get them to talk, but you are amazing. So thank you for doing this. Yeah, it's usually the opposite with me. People just tell me to shut up, basically. I mean, it was worth sitting on the floor for 45 minutes for. Yeah, I'll sit on the floor <laughs> next time, too. We'll, we'll make it even. We'll make Sam sit on the floor, too. Maybe we'll go sit out in the snow. Or something. <laughs> Maybe we'll all sit on the floor, have margaritas at like 10 feet apart. It'll be amazing. Perfect. Outside, safe. There we go.